Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge. Blackhawks Live. The Hawks win the game and the playoff series. The Blackhawks, the number 12 seed, will move on to the top 16. That's hockey, baby. From the downtown studios of WGN Radio, it's time for Blackhawks Live. Let's pull back the curtain, go behind the scenes of your favorite hockey team. That's what we're here for, guys, to win. Blackhawks Live, presented by ChevyDriveChicago.com. Drive with Kane and Taves Drive. Here's Chris Bowden and Nick Gizmondi. Good evening, everyone, and welcome into what we certainly hope turns into a uh, Monday night listening staple for all you Blackhawks fans this season. It is our debut edition of Blackhawks Live, presented by ChevyDriveChicago.com. Drive what Kane and Taves drive. I'm Chris Bowden, your friendly pre- and post-game host for Blackhawks Hockey here on 720 WGN. But uh, happy to be wearing this uh, extra hat here this season, talking hockey, especially Blackhawks hockey. And I will normally, as you heard in the introduction, be joined on the show every week by Nick Gizmondi, and all you Blackhawks fans out there grew familiar with Nick last season. Uh, for those who dared to watch the games rather than listen to them right here on, on the radio. But uh, Nick did an outstanding job as the Hawks reporter during NBC Sports Chicago broadcast. Uh, so in these times of, of social distancing, he was going to join us from his home near Denver tonight. But uh, to begin here on our very first show, Nick is uh, being especially socially distant. Uh, an explanation here as we become uh, transparent as possible. Uh, he was to return to his home from Washington, D.C. this morning until planes, trains, and automobiles happened. Uh, flight canceled. He could not find another until later on this afternoon. So as we speak... Live here on Blackhawks Live. Nick is in the air somewhere. Uh, I kind of hope and uh, was was hoping that the weirdness and uh, strangeness of uh, what we've been through over the course of the last year or so was supposed to end when 2021 started. Unfortunately, not the case here. Nevertheless, uh, I will be your captain here tonight to get this thing uh, lifted off the ground, and, and we hope you enjoy the first of our weekly hour-long Blackhawk rides here. So uh, some some nuts and bolts here that Nick and I were going to jointly explain to you here about the show that uh, you'll be hearing every Monday night. Pencil in Monday nights between 7 and 8, just like tonight. From now through the end of the regular season, four months from now, uh, there are four exceptions when the Blackhawks will be playing on Monday nights. In those cases, we will switch to Tuesday uh, and once late in the season, even on a Wednesday. But uh, uh, fear not, that's not going to happen for about a month. We will let you know uh, what will happen in the ensuing week, plus a, a quick change of direction uh, coming up next Monday night when we're on from 9 to 10 Due to Northwestern basketball, they have a game at six o'clock that night, next Monday night. So nine to ten uh, next Monday, we'll remind you once again at the end of the show to mark your calendars. And as far as what we are doing on this uh, hour-long hockey fun house, you're going to hear from players, Blackhawks alums, uh, coaches, management. Any given week, at one week you might hear from you know a Danny Wirtz or a Stan Bowman or a Jamie Faulkner with us. 
another week. A Mark Eaton, a Mark Kelly, Ryan Stewart, some of the hockey ops guys. You might hear from Jerry Carlton, uh, Jeremy Carlton, one of his assistants, or Brian Campbell, or a Kendall Coyne Schofield, or you know, you'll you'll tune in one week and you'll hear Patrick Kane or Andrew Shaw. And Ian Mitchell, a Colin Delia, and maybe a Patrick Sharp or a Brian Campbell or a Denny Savard, uh, you're going to hear a, a mix and combination of various people within the Blackhawks organization. And we, we will discuss hockey things, but not so much X's and O's as, as kind of pulling back the curtain with our guests about them, about the Blackhawks organization, and about uh, who and what they are indeed all about. Um, but tonight, two nights from the start of this Long-awaited season coming up in Tampa Bay, a 56-game scramble over the course of uh, something like 115 or 116 days. It will start in Tampa Bay, starting with our 6.30 pregame on Wednesday night and a 7 o'clock puck drop. And and we will hear from one of my pards tonight on our broadcast, the great Troy Murray, as we look ahead to the coming season. But uh, when we drop the puck here on Blackhawks Live, presented by ChevyDriveChicago.com, we will be joined by Blackhawks center Dylan Strom. Stick around. That's coming up next on 720 WGN. Smith with the puck behind the oil net. Gave it away. Dylan Strom. Big shot. He scores. It's off of Mike Smith. Dylan Strom. It looked like he was trying to feed that puck up the slot, but he banked it off of Mike Smith's equipment, and the puck rolled back into the Oiler net. It's Strom's first playoff goal, and we're tied at one. Welcome back to Blackhawks Live, presented by ChevyDriveChicago.com. Drive what Kane and Taves drive. Here we are on 720 WGN. Chris Bowden with you. And our first, very first guest was the third overall pick of the 2015 draft by the Arizona Coyotes. And the Blackhawks acquired him a couple of Novembers ago. In a deal two Sundays ago, uh, he signed a new two-year contract on the eve of training camp. So I guess part of that contractual language, last to sign, first to appear on Blackhawks Live here, presented by ChevyDriveChicago.com. It is Dylan Strom. Uh, Dylan, uh, happy new contract, happy new year, happy new season. Thanks for uh, spending some of your off time here this evening and joining us. So we appreciate it. No problem. Thank you guys for having me. Uh, well, so today marks the 10-month anniversary of the last time that you played a game at the United Center. So uh, one day shy of the 10-month anniversary, last night you guys Went in there and uh, and uh, had that scrimmage, uh, split the team up and, and had that red-white scrimmage. Uh, describe to us what was it like to finally be back in that environment, granted with uh, you know a, a couple of uh, cogs missing, important cogs, an opposing team, and, and the place packed uh, last, like it was 10 months ago. Yeah, it's uh, definitely different. It's a different uh, situation that I think we're all adjusting to. I don't think it'll ever feel normal and I think everyone misses the fans. Everyone at home misses the fans, even even just watching on TV. So, um, no, we obviously miss it a lot. But I guess that's kind of the new reality we're in for uh, the first little bit of the season here, and, and hopefully it gets back to normal soon. But um, it was nice to be back in there, nice to be back in the dressing room and seeing all the familiar faces and um, everyone's doing their part and staying safe. And uh, so far we've been uh, healthy, and, and that's nice to see. And now it appears you're going to start the season uh, Wednesday night centering uh, Alex DeBrinket and and Patrick Kane, which which has to be fun. Sounds like a whole lot of fun, but but you know with that comes some expectations and some challenges. And we all know the fun part, but 
What are some of those challenges when it comes to, uh, you know, getting better of the defensive matchups, getting the better of the defensive matchups that opposing teams are going to throw at you, as as well as, you know, the visualization and the communication, both spoken and unspoken with probably, you know, the two most creative guys on the team you'll be playing with? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, they're, they're two great players. Um, Patrick's been doing it for, for obviously a very long time, and uh, we've had a lot of chemistry together since I've got to Chicago, and he's a lot of fun to play with. And then Alex and I have obviously had the, the chemistry from uh, our junior days and, and kind of leading up to Chicago, and um, I think we work well together. It's, it's you know, a, a camp a camp is a time to try to build the chemistry and get back to what we were used to, and I think we're slowly getting back there. I think uh, last game we had we did some good things. Uh, didn't score uh, enough, but uh, we had some good chances and we, uh, we had some fun out there. So I think we're going to try to have fun and, and uh, see see what happens this year. I, I think, like I said in an interview before, a lot of people are writing us off, and it's going to be fun to try to be that underdog team and um, you know come out there and, and kind of just do what we do. And we're trying to play uh, you know a hard style of game and uh, a smart game, and I think we know we have to do that to be successful. So. Um, going to be fun, and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, building off what you just said there, you know, the team uh, has been dealt a couple of personnel setbacks in, in recent weeks that you know naturally leads some observers, media, uh, and fans to, to kind of brace and expect the worst. But I, I love, the one thing that I love that I've heard from you and some of the other guys over the course of the past week, what we're hearing, and hearing that and trying to turn that energy into a rallying point, you know, even kind of a chip on the shoulder because human nature from within generally, you know, creates a, a fight back mindset. How much has that been emphasized here heading into the season? Because, you know, that is really the only option you have in, in dealing with some of the stuff beyond your control. Yeah, I think you're, you're exactly right. There's not much we can do about the, the two the two guys that we lost. Well, three, including Nylander, the, the guys that we've lost so far. Um, you know, they're uh, they're great players, and obviously they were all in the, the top nine last year and and played key roles on the team. So, um, you know, it sucks that that's that's what's happened so far during the season, and it hasn't even started yet. So, uh, but I think, like you said, we're just trying to use it as like a little bit of a rallying cry, and um, we're looking forward to to building up what we've got so far. So. Like I said, those are three pretty important players that we're missing. But um, I think you got to look at the positives and look at who we've got on the ice, and and uh, hopefully where we are when they come back is is in a great spot, and we can make a push for the playoffs or wherever we are at at that time. Looking specifically at Kirby's case, you know, you yourself was were captain of Canada's uh, World Junior Team back in 2017, and you know what that tournament means uh, both individually and to that country. And, you know, it's it, it's quite a badge of honor, and it's something that he wanted and requested, something he wanted to do, because, you know, it was possible for him to do that in this weird year, the way the schedule has played out. He had that opportunity and really wanted it, and this, you know, is just a series of unfortunate events, and, and I don't think it's, it's going to do anything. It only delays... Um, you know, the greatness and the potential that we, we've seen in Kirby over the course of the past year. Yeah, it's uh, like you said, it, for, for Canadians, it's a tournament that everyone watches growing up from when they were four or five years old to when they get the chance to potentially play in it when they're 18 or 19. So, um, 
it, it, it's a lot of pressure to play in Canada and a lot of pressure to be the captain, but I think he, he's the type of person and, and player that relishes that and, and plays better under pressure. And um, I think he was really looking forward to it, and it's unfortunate. Uh, it's such a fun tournament to play, and I got the fortunate enough to play in it twice. And my first year was in Finland, where I, somewhere I'd never been before, and um, the crowd there was absolutely unbelievable. You, you never really know how big hockey is in a, a smaller country like that until you get there, and um, definitely, arguably the loudest crowd I've ever played in that, and, and possibly the uh, Winter Classic. But um, the Finnish fans were, were crazy, and it, it's such a fun tournament to play in. And, and uh, in my next year, getting all the way to the gold medal game, and unfortunately losing to the states was um, something that I, I learned from and, and tried to be better from. And um, you know, I know Kirby was really excited. All right, so uh, let's talk about some of your new teammates, and one in particular. You're, you're one of the the bigger frame guys on the team, you know, and as center. You got to go to the net front, and uh, you, I'm sure, have certainly experienced uh, some time there uh, down near the blue paint in previous seasons with uh, one of your new t- new teammates, and that's Nikita Zadorov. And it was great to see Nikita uh, come back from practice today. He had been out since last Tuesday. He even admitted it was dealing with a bit of a, a groin problem, but uh, back again. Uh, give the listeners uh, an idea of what it's like to jockey. On skates versus uh, a six foot six, two hundred thirty five pound dude, you're battling it out with there. And and who are some of the other comps across the league that uh, give you a similar type of battle when you're when you're fighting for space there in front of the opposing goaltender? Yeah, it's not fun. I'll tell you that. Uh, <laughs> even in practice, it's not fun. He's a uh, he's a he's a great guy. He's uh, been very vocal since he's got here and. Uh, I think he's he's really going to fit in well. He he looks good on the ice. He he hits hard. He doesn't doesn't care who it is. He's going to finish step up and finish his check on you even in practice. So I'm excited to to see what he's going to do in a game. I know he did it to us a bunch of times in the past couple of years, but I'm excited he's on our team now and uh I think he can move the puck well. He's got a great shot and uh he hits. So um something I think our team uh does well, but I think we could do a, a bit better job and I think he's going to bring a lot of that. So um you know, the only guy, other guy I can think of that is similar to that would be someone like Chara potentially, where mm-hmm. he's just so big and 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 takes up so much ice. And um, you know, even if you think you got around him, he probably just puts an arm out, and and you know, you're you're kind of stuck behind him. So um, not fun to play against him in practice, but uh, like I said, happy he's on our team now. Well, we'll see Victor Hedman in a couple of nights. How how's he to deal with in front there too? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's pretty good too. Um, he's he's in his physical though. I think he he's more gifted on the the offensive side, but. I mean, he still kills a lot of penalties and plays a lot of minutes. So, um, no, he like I said, he's not exactly that fun to play against either. Uh, now, I joked around with you on a, on a post game show here uh, uh, late last season after your brother and, and the Rangers Rangers came in. Uh, uh, you guys uh, unfortunately lost to, to Ryan and the Rangers on that particular night, but it was also the mom's trip. So, your mom Trish was on that mom's trip, and um, uh, she the, the video went viral where she was given the opportunity to announce walk into the Rangers locker room before that game against you and the Blackhawks here at the United Center and deliver the starting lineups, which included your brother, Ryan. And before doing that, she walked in and gave him a big smooch and, and uh, a little bit of pep talk. And then there were uh, reaction shots when uh, the Rangers scored of her hooping it up. And unfortunately, I think you're, you're 0 for 4 for your NHL career against Ryan. And uh, unfortunately, you won't get a chance with the schedule being set up this year to, to do something about that. But 
I imagine still as as a mama's boy, you're going to forgive your mom, Trish, for letting that get out, rooting for the opposing team. And I hope you haven't completely shut the door on any future Blackhawks mom's trip from from Trish being allowed to come alongside that. I've shut the door on her ever announcing the lineup for the Blackhawks. I'll tell you that. But uh, no, she uh, she had so much fun doing that, and I, I think it embarrassed Ryan uh, just just enough. So um, I know Ryan's a pretty loud loud person and, and uh, a loud guy in his dressing room. So I think the coach uh, wanted to get back at him a little bit for I'm sure the, the few jabs that Ryan's thrown at the coach over the over the season. And I think he did a great job of it. So um, my mom. Uh, I guess she didn't have any fear doing that. She was uh, pretty confident heading in there. So, um, you know, she's always taught us to be uh, to be vocal and be be yourself and be happy. And uh, I think that's exactly what she was in, in the dressing room. So, uh, I know uh, a lot of guys in the Rangers thought it was quite funny, and and they they had a good laugh, and, and it worked. So, um, no, but she will not be doing that for the Blackhawks, and uh, I will tell Jeremy that myself. <laughs> have to find somebody else for that. Uh, finally, here, um, I, I know you guys. You had. Quite an adventure. Once, once the season was paused, you know, getting your way. Once you decided to work your way back up to Toronto, it was it was quite an adventure. You know, getting back up there before they shut all things down. But I know you had yourself a fresh companion with uh, with your new dog, who has its own Instagram uh, account as well. I don't know if it's as popular yet as as your buddy uh, DeBrinket's uh, dogs. Um, but, uh, how is, uh, how is Wrigley's Instagram account doing? How is he coming along? And, uh, what's his, what's his, what's his behavior like too? Oh, he's great. He's, uh, you know, he's, uh, dogs are really, really are a man's best friend. I've, I've had dogs growing up my whole life, but I've never had my, my own dog. And, uh, you know, he's just so happy every time I get home to see me. He's, my girlfriend tells me he's crying. Uh, he's crying about 10 minutes before I get home. It's like, he knows when I'm going to get home. So he's, ah. he's always so excited. Um, we try to, to take him out as much as we can and then go for runs. He, he has so much energy. He's just turned one years old, so he's uh, he's great. He He's the happiest character I've ever met. I don't know what you call him. <laughs> happiest living thing I've ever met. He's uh, It looks like he's always ready to see us and so excited, and uh, he's well-behaved. And um, I mean, my, my dad and my brother might have something to say about that, but I think he's well-behaved, and he's uh, he makes my day better every time I see him. So Golden um, Retriever, right? Got him and, yeah. Golden Retriever? Golden Retriever, yeah. And, yeah. and how does he get along with uh, with Ralph and Bert when they're hanging out together? <laughs> well, um, he gets along with Bert great. Uh, Ralph, not so much. Oh. Ralph uh, marks his territory quite a bit, so um, they've, had a, they've had a few run-ins, but Wrigley doesn't really understand when, when someone bites them or snaps at them the, to, to leave them alone. He, he kind of just thinks they're playing and goes right back in. So we've had to separate them a couple times, but um, they eventually get over it and they, they have a good time together. So him and Bert play and chase each other around and run around, but uh, Ralph is the more dominant one, I think, and, and, and marks his territory for sure. Oh, great stuff. Uh, well, we'll be keeping an eye on that, but uh, more importantly, we'll be keeping an eye on you and the Blackhawks. And uh, good luck this coming season. Really appreciate you jumping around on and being our, our first guest here on uh, Blackhawks live uh, safe travels to tampa and uh, go get them on uh, wednesday and friday nights okay thank you very much thanks for having me chris that's dylan strome joining us here as our uh, very first guest here on blackhawks live presented by chevy drives chicago.com drive with kane and taves drive coming up in our second half hour we'll hear from uh, one of my broadcast partners here on 720 wgn that being the great analyst troy murray but as we break first to check the news headlines let's head to the wgn newsroom here's vic vaughn that's a big hit, though, by Kirby Dock. Roussel is good. He's back on the bench, kind of taking a peek over his shoulder. Who hit him? He lost his win, though. He was just 
Wow. Oh, you can just see him. <laughs> Antoine, what's wrong? <laughs> Well, I hope he has his wind enough to join us here for a few minutes. Good evening, everyone. Chris Bowden here. Welcome back into Blackhawks Live, presented by ChevyDriveChicago.com. Drive what Kane and Taves drive. He is uh, one half of the portion of uh, our very own uh, Bert Nerney, uh, our, our Sonny and Cher, our, our Chip and Dale, if you will. Well, maybe we should be more like mac and cheese or peanut butter and jelly. Troy Murray going into his 17th season here on WGN Radio as uh, the analyst <laughs> with the call. 15th year with John Weideman coming up Wednesday night at 7 o'clock against the Tampa Bay Lightning. You are okay to join us here. You, you got all your wind, right, Troy? <laughs> I'm okay. I'm, I'm better. I'm much better now. Don't, don't get all <laughs> choked up. Well, I don't know about have you. you ever, have you ever been winded? Oh, yeah, I have been. And it hasn't taken much. A whole lot less than you you did during your playing days. <laughs> if anybody who's out there is listening and you've been winded, <laughs> you know exactly the feeling. Well, I, I was I was. You win- can't talk. You can't do anything. <laughs> I was winded walking from the 18th floor elevator into the studio here, so it doesn't take much. <laughs> doesn't take much for me these days. But uh, uh, we're finally back playing some hockey, and uh, even if it's against the defending Stanley Cup champions, even if this Blackhawks team. Uh, comes out at the outset facing some challenges here. I'm I'm really super pumped and excited just to just to have hockey back, just to have Blackhawk hockey back, and, and seeing how uh, where this team is at to start, and seeing how it is able to evolve over the course of the the upcoming season with a, a whole a whole lot of new faces in the lineup. Uh, who are some of the guys that that you have been most impressed with? Because you've been out there at practice every day alongside myself, and granted, it's only been a week of observing this stuff. But uh, who are some of the guys and, and some of the young guys in particular that you may have been impressed with through observation here? Well, I, I think that uh, you look at uh, Puce Suter up front. I think that he's uh, been really good, and he's not a young guy. You know, he's uh, 24, I think he is, or somewhere in that area, uh, kind of the same as uh, Dominic Kubelik when he came in last year. Um, they both played in the same league, and, and uh, both were MVPs <laughs> two years ago as Kubelik. This year uh, was Suter. I just like his game, and he's he's a goal scorer, but he's a completely different type of goal scorer um, than Kubalik. Kubalik is a shooter, and boy, we saw that shot last year. I mean, how wicked it was! And once he figured out, you know, how he could use it and where he could find those open areas, uh, he became that much more of a threat. Suter is more of a guy I see that uh, is is a grittier type of player as far as the way that he scores goals, getting in front of the net and creating screens, looking for those rebounds. So I I think he's been very noticeable uh, early on here in the training camp. And uh, Kurashev is is another guy that I thought he played really well last night in the scrimmage between the the red and the white. And and Jeremy Colleton actually singled him out uh, along with Ian Mitchell on the blue line. So Kurashev and Suter up front, I think that they've really – done a nice job in, in making the coaches and the general manager notice them, and that's what you have to do. Uh, on the backside, I think that the, you've got a couple guys that have looked pretty good, and uh, Ian Mitchell has um, hes kind of come in and, and been who he was touted to be, just a, a smooth skating guy that uh, when he gets the puck, he's really good. Uh, the, the, where you move forward with this is once you get, and it's going to be a real uh, good test, playing in your own end against good players. And when it gets physical in front of the net, the corners, those battles, 
um, it makes a big difference between scrimmaging between your own team and a, and a team that is the same mode as you and has to win games and wants to win, get points in the standings. So I think Ian Mitchell has done an excellent job. Um, and a, a lot of people are talking about Nicholas Bodin, and he's a guy that really didn't um, factor into the equation. How do you say that really last name team. again? Bodin. Oh, Bodin. I don't okay. know. I'm going to say it a bunch of different ways. It's just <laughs> <laughs> not, Bodin is not Bodin. Not Bodin. <laughs> not Bodin. It is not a relative of yours. <laughs> not at least. Um, French Canadian um, from out east, uh, so it's Bodin. But. Um, you know, actually, I was reading an article not too long ago that where he was talking about that he put on, uh, you know, 10 or 11 pounds mm-hmm. during this off season, just training hard and working hard. And he's not a big guy, so he needs to get stronger um, so he doesn't get pushed off the puck. So he's taken a nice step there. And, you know, if I say those two guys on defense and the two up forward maybe have made the biggest impression of some of the new guys. Yeah, I'm really... I'm I'm really interested in seeing with, with the combinations that Jeremy has has put together to start things. Nikita Zadorov got back to practice today, which was which was great to see, and, and just putting some of these younger guys with the more veteran guys. And granted, Zadorov is still a very young player with still some some potential to reach. But you know, Keith and Murphy as as your number one pairing. But then you know, putting Mitchell with a Calvin DeHaan, and then seeing how you know uh, Zadorov can can work with and protect. Adam Boquist and try to bring the most out of his game. Uh, to me, that's going to be fascinating as as this Blackhawk t- team just tries to solidify itself in its own and something that has been elusive the last couple of years. And you know, let, let's face it, they're they're going to have to rely more on uh, the team and the defense first uh, mindset uh, to start this season too. You know, John and I. It's a great point, Chris. Uh, John and I were talking about it on the broadcast. Um, when you look at the Blackhawks winning in 10, 13, 15, the star power that they had, the talent that they had, the pure skill that they had all the way from the top of the lineup to the bottom of the lineup um, was very impressive. And they could play the game one way, or they could play it any way you wanted to, but they could play the game at a high skill level. And, you know, they could outskill most of the other teams that they played this team uh, I'm not saying it doesn't have skill, but it's not. It doesn't have that pedigree that you, you saw with those core group of guys in the, in the Stanley Cup. So they're going to have to buy into what Jeremy Colleton wants them to do, um, and and that starts at the top. It starts with Patrick Kane, uh, and as far as his puck management, his the lengths of his shifts and stuff. And you certainly don't want to take anything away uh, from Patrick in his ability to. Uh, be creative out there but you have to have the same mindset from the top line to the bottom line all four lines in that equation have to play the the same type of game the commitment to defense managing the puck well putting it into areas at the end of the shifts where the the line coming on there is not going to be caught in an odd man situation there's a lot to be said about a transitional phase within this team and that goes from the coaching of, of Joel Quenville uh, to Jeremy Colleton. If you're Joel Quenville, you, you might have had a different style if you didn't have the type of players that he was dealing with. You know, for Jeremy comes in here and all of a sudden you're down to a Patrick Kane and a Duncan Keith as far as what's left of the core group of guys, you have to get the rest of the guys to buy in. And, and you, you don't have to look any further than maybe a team like the New York Islanders who went from the worst defensive team, Barry Trotz comes in there, to the best defensive team because they all bought into exactly how they needed to play as a team. 
And that's important moving forward. They have to get the message from Jeremy Carlton and how they can play. And it's going to be a different style than what we've seen in the past here with the Blackhawks. But it doesn't mean that it can't be successful. You just have to have 100% buy-in. Troy, hang on a minute. We're going to take a quick break here. There's lots more I want to touch on when we come back from the other side. You're listening to Blackhawks Live, presented by ChevyDriveChicago.com. Drive with Kane and Taves Drive on 720 WGN. Looking at Crow, I mean, he stood on his head, and he's obviously probably the biggest reason why he won this game. Oilers get it, however. Nugent Hopkins left corner. Put it across. Bottom of the near circle. Great cycle with a shot, and Crawford reacts. Moves off the right post to the left and got in front of that shot and made a big save, possibly the game saver. McNabb firing for the left circle once and then twice. Crawford stopped them both, and then a close-in chance from Carlson was turned out of there by Crawford. The Golden Knights thought they'd scored a goal. Just settling us down back there. That's a, what a good goalie does, and he certainly is that. Osamal clears the rebound to the near board. Sazikas put it out in front. Backhand shot by Lee, and Crawford gobbles it up. Loose puck in the crease and a scramble again. And Crawford lays on his side and stacks the pads. Stops the next shot, and a big pileup ensues in the Hawks' crease. And a standing ovation for the effort of Corey Crawford. Weger on the left wing side. Sent it in over the Hawk line. Ekblad put it in front. Oh, and a point blank chance there from Hallett. Turned wide by Crawford with a huge save. He got his body in front of that somehow. We're impressed, but we're definitely not surprised that Crow shows up and plays the way he did. The Sunquist fed a wide open left circle. And a big shot and a big save by Crawford. Scrambling over to deny Mackenzie McKeckard. Corey sensed that he was there and did his level best to get across the crease, and he did. I believe he stopped two shots by McKechnie in that volley. What can I say about Corey? He was he was unbelievable. Johnny Boychuk winds up the left wing side. De Bergeron in front of the benches at center ice. So Marchand over the hawk line drops to the Yager, cuts it, shoots, blocked, save made by Crawford. Yager can fire the puck pretty hard, and he was going for the top right corner. Crawford once again beat him with a glove with another sensational save. Just settling us down back there. That's what a good goalie does, and he certainly is that. It is a new era for the Blackhawks in net, and during the course of our shows here on Blackhawks Live, presented by ChevyDriveChicago.com, we'll be hearing from alums, and perhaps one day we will hear from Corey Crawford. But before we get to the present-day Blackhawks situation and goal, as we rejoin uh, WGN's own Troy Murray here on our Blackhawks Live presentation here for you, uh, a tip of the cap, a stick tap, if you will, because Corey decided to hang it up after a couple of practices with the New Jersey Devils. And, you know, as as we reflect on a career that bookends now, start to finish, being a Blackhawk, perhaps it was fitting that his final victory uh, in a Blackhawks uniform was one where he practically pulled it out himself in that Game 4 in mid-August against the Vegas Golden Knights, and that was kind of signature what uh, we will remember of uh, perhaps the greatest, if certainly not one of the greatest goaltenders in Blackhawks history. I, I just have so much respect for Corey, and, and um, you know, as a broadcaster, uh, it was just a, a pleasure to be around Corey. He just was a great guy. He's a, a great person, a wonderful teammate. Um, I, I'm excited for him that he's made this decision and, and wants to move on with his life. Um, it, it, it's a tough decision to make. And uh, for Corey, there's still a lot left in the tank, but I think mentally it's it's just got to the point where he just can't commit to what he needs to do and decided that that was time. Um, I, I wouldn't compare the two goaltenders, but Patrick Waugh was in the same kind of way where he just you know walked away from the game on his terms and, and just says, I, mentally, I'm not into it anymore. And, you know, for Corey, 
uh, I think all intentions were when he signed the summer to go to New Jersey and, and help their situation, be their 1A, 1B, and, and um, be in a position to um, mentor the other goaltenders in, the, in that system. But I think it just became a little bit too much for him. So good for him. I'm happy for him. Uh, I think that he's at peace with his decision. And, uh, you know, what can you say about his career with the Blackhawks? And there's going to be, it's already happened. You and I have talked about <laughs> the debate. Is he a Hockey Hall of Famer? Should he have his jersey retired at the United Center? He's the only goaltender in the history of the Chicago Blackhawks to win uh, two Stanley Cups. He's a Vesna Trophy winner. I think that he was one of the most underrated goaltenders and not... Uh, to say that made disrespected goaltenders as far as when everybody was talking about the best goaltenders in the game. I, I've seen Corey and I've you know seen the team. He made the saves when he needed to do, and he was great when he had to be. Um, you don't win Stanley Cups if you don't have great goaltending, and Corey certainly was that in 13 and 15. So, you know, a hat tip to him as far as his career. I hope that he becomes a Hall of Famer. When you look at some of the, the people who were in there, I think that um, even though his career is a little bit shorter than maybe some of them, uh, what he did and what he accomplished over his career certainly puts him in that running. Um, and there's going to be a lot of players that are going to be in that position with the Blackhawks. You know, do they retire his number? <laughs> this core group of guys that won three Stanley Cups, it's going to be tough to to decide who deserves it and who doesn't deserve it. But what a wonderful career by Corey. Ah, there's still plenty of other numbers to go around. I think uh, I think the, the, the Blackhawks will, will find a way to be able to afford also that. Also worn by. Yes. 19. When, that's what I'm saying. When, <laughs> when, when, he, when he gets his jersey retired, it's small print on the bottom of the jersey, sure. also worn by. I, I, I think that's deserving as well. Now, Corey was one of these two-time Stanley Cup winners with the Blackhawks, who certainly went through his share of health difficulties, and one guy who is now back on this team, when you speak about leadership, uh, Andrew Shaw. It's great to see him back on the ice, but uh, he was certainly interesting in visiting with the media for the first time since last November, 13 plus months ago when he last played a game and was on the ice for a practice with the Blackhawks. He sounds refreshed, uh, rejuvenated, and uh, it's great to see 65 back on the ice with a visor, so he doesn't mess up that pretty face he, he joked about. But now it's about finding that fine line between um, really what was a, a reckless abandon with how he played with his overall health. He is at peace if his career should come to an end here anytime soon. But uh, he certainly looks ready to strap it up one more time, and he will play an important role on this team, provided he can he can remain healthy this season. Nobody talks about Andrew Shaw. I mean, and and in, in a lot of ways, you didn't even have the Andrew Shaw that you thought you would have last year. Um, just didn't seem like he got into the groove. He dealt with some issues uh, that happened in Montreal and uh, ended up shutting it down. And, uh, you know, his, his future was in jeopardy. And I think there was a lot of questions whether Andrew Shaw could ever come back and play. But um, that lengthy delay that he had, it enabled him to kind of reevaluate what was going on. He misses the game. He loves the family life. And you kind of touched on it there at peace with his life, what his life is going to be after hockey, because he spent a lot of time with his family and his young kids. Uh, so that's important to have that in your mind. The one thing that you, you probably weren't thinking about is like when all of a sudden Andrew Shaw is back in the equation and he's healthy, that's a big component to the, the team that everybody's talking about. Well, you need, you know, to you need Kubalik to have the type of seasons that you expect out of them. Some of these young players, 
But when you talk about Andrew Shaw, you're, you're really kind of omitting a huge piece of the puzzle. The, the key here for Shawzi coming back is he has to play, and as you touched on it again, the fine line between how he needs to play to be an effective player and how he can play and protect himself and not put himself in vulnerable situations. He's got to play with an edge. He's got to play with intensity. He's got to play with that grit and determination. That's what Andrew Shaw is all about. Um, and he needs to have the mindset that he can go out and play that game. Now, does he have to be crazy like he was before and run around and do all this, do all that? No, uh, but he has to play up to that that edge and make sure that uh, that he brings that type of mentality to the lineup. Uh, it's invaluable, and Shazi's a guy inside the locker room, and when he left, everybody said that that voice inside the room, which was at times annoying because he never <laughs> shuts up if you listen to Jonathan Taves, but that's important. It was a quiet locker room for a couple of years, and now you're going to have a little bit of a personality in there with Andrew Shaw, so not only his on-ice ability to help the team, there's going to be a lot inside that locker room with a void of some of the veteran players not there this year. Final point here quickly before we let you go. You mentioned uh, grinder and and grittiness. Really the highlight of this camp, carrying over from what we saw in the Edmonton bubble, the most impressive uh, group right now, and we saw it in the scrimmage last night, is that fourth line that Jeremy has decided to keep together. Uh, They have done everything. You know they're going to be shut down, but now... They're starting to create some offense. They, they did in the bubble uh, for, for the play-in round and the playoff series against Vegas. The most impressive uh, uh, players in this camp so far is the group that Jeremy's decided to keep together in Highmore, Camp, and Carpenter. I loved what Highmore said. He says, you know, we have a real good comfort level. We're, we're getting more familiar each and every practice, each and every game with how we play, where we are on the ice. The, the reads are just becoming instinctive. Um, but what he said, he says, I, I think that we have a different level offensively to chip in and, and help out that way. And boy, you saw it in that scrimmage last night. The line was on for four of the first five white goals. Um, Highmore had a couple and Camp had a goal. It, you really liked what you saw from those guys. And they were playing head-to-head against uh, Dylan Strom, Patrick Kane, and, and Alex DeBrinkett. Uh, that line ended up scoring one goal late. But the way that they forechecked, the, the ability to read off one another, the relentlessness of that line is exactly what Jeremy Colleton wants from all of his line combinations. And if you look at the line combinations, they have that ability to do that. Maybe except for the Strom line that has all the talent and everything, they can play a little bit of a different game, but they have to, again, buy into what Jeremy Colleton wants to do. But when you look at the other three lines, they're built to be aggressive on the forecheck. They're built to be uh, to play in your own end of the ice. You had some really nice additions. We haven't seen Carl Soderberg yet. He's still waiting for his immigration papers to come across here. Uh, but Lucas Walmart and uh, Janmark, those are two players that play a 200-foot game. They're going to help out that fourth line because of the ability of the way that they play. But when you look at that, and everybody's talking about this fourth line as, as the comfort line for Jeremy Colleton, the go-to line, it's because he knows exactly what he is going to get from those guys each and every shift. None of those guys are in a position that they can take a game off. They're not going to play great every game, but they can't take a game off by not being prepared. They can't take a shift off. They may not get another one, and that's the reality. And those three guys, they all know that. Mm. And and I really think that that line can be an effective line. And if you get to the point where you can use that line in a shutdown line against maybe the other team's top one or two lines, that's going to take a lot of pressure off everybody else on the roster as you, as you kind of go down the pecking order. So that line can be a really big 
uh, component for Jeremy Colleton this year. Yeah, usually the fourth line guys are the ones with the lowest amount of minutes when you look at forwards after each game, but they they certainly have earned more and more playing time for what but they did you, last. You know, season. again and, and again, Chris, I don't mean to cut you off, but if you look at the the New York Islanders, mm-hmm. they have a, a four line rotation. Their fourth line uh, with Matt Martin and, and Clutterbuck and Sezikas, those guys. I mean, they play a tough game, and he's not afraid to throw them out in any situations. He'll start them in games. Um, he'll let them finish off the period, and that's the reliability, the confidence that they can have in that line, and, and it can be a really disturbing line and, and be effective that for, for Jeremy Colleton that he can use a four-line rotation. And even if one of the middle lines isn't going well, you can give those guys more minutes in those situations and be fine with it. Troy, thanks a bunch for jumping out. Like it or not, we're going to see and talk a lot of, to a lot of each other uh, over the course of the next four months. But uh, I, I personally am happy about that. So I probably just burned up all my all my talking points for the pregame show on Wednesday. I'll just I'll just uh, rinse and repeat all this stuff. But uh, looking forward to Wednesday night and uh, the fifty five games that follow. Thanks for jumping on. Well, I I, I, uh, I really enjoy working with you, Chris, and I look forward to uh, being on the show this this year with you if you'll have me and. Our broadcast with the John at the play-by-play, I think, is the best in the business. So I look forward to starting it all up on Wednesday night against the Tampa Bay Lightning. You guys are the best in the business, and uh, Troy's also the best in the business in supplying the food here during road games as well. So we'll be counting on that. Troy, thanks so much. <laughs> we'll see you Wednesday. All right. Troy Murray joining us here on Blackhawks Live, presented by ChevyDriveChicago.com. Drive what Kane and Taves drive. That's a wrap for our debut edition. Be sure to join us next Monday. A reminder, it will be on not the usual 7 to 8 slot, but because of Northwestern basketball, we'll be on from 9 to 10. Hopefully joined by Nick Ismondi as well, my co-host coming up. Uh, again, join us Wednesday for a 6.30 pregame ahead of the 7 o'clock puck drop, probably a little bit after a banner-raising ceremony in Tampa Bay here on 720 WGN. Our thanks to Troy, to Dylan Strong, behind the scenes to Curtis Koch and to Krista Flores. I'm Chris Bowden. John Landecker is coming up next. But first, you heard the tone there. It is 8 o'clock here on 720 WGN. The news from the Northwestern Medicine Newsroom. Here's Vic Vaughn.